Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by What It Takes. Today is Monday, July 27th. Gold prices are way up, coronavirus infection rates in Texas and Arizona are down, and we're focused on unemployment benefits in the new stimulus bill. The White House and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell this afternoon rolled out their proposal for the next federal stimulus, which they are calling the HEALS Act. Now they need to negotiate not only with the House, but also with Senate Democrats, given that a number of GOP senators have already signaled their intention to vote against the White House and McConnell. In short, the final stimulus bill will be bipartisan, or there won't be a final stimulus bill. Lots of contentious stuff to work out, but perhaps none more so than unemployment benefits, which currently are going to an estimated 30 million Americans. Democrats, they want a continuation of the pandemic status quo. That means regular unemployment payments from states, plus $600 per week in supplemental payments from the federal government. Republicans, they want the supplemental payment number to be $200 per week until states can figure out how to pay people 70% of their lost weekly wages. Why it matters? Well, first, money. Again, 30 million people collecting unemployment benefits, and that $400 difference between the parties works out to $12 billion per week. Second, there are no easy answers as to which side is right. Democrats, well, they've got a pretty good argument that for some, $400 could be the difference between paying the rent or not. And for others, it certainly means less disposable income, which means less money being spent in the real economy. That stymies economic growth and ultimately job growth. For Republicans, well, they counter that the $600 means many Americans make more by staying unemployed than by going back to work, a perverse incentive that makes it harder for certain businesses to resume operations, assuming they are able to resume operations. Oh, and this is maybe the most important point, those $600 payments, they expire this Friday, and there's little hope of any bill getting passed by then. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on where this is all headed with Andy Duran of The Wall Street Journal. But first, this. We're joined now by Andy Duran, a congressional reporter with The Wall Street Journal. So, Andy, let's start here. The Republicans have a split even within their own caucus. Some Republicans who don't want any extra supplemental on insurance payments, some who want it to be, say, $200. Obviously, the Democrats want it to be $600. How are Republicans settling their own differences? The difference between Republicans is you do have some on the right who don't want there to be any sort of federal supplement to the unemployment benefits that states offer. They see it as more or less an incentive not to work and something that distorts kind of the labor market. And so they're adamantly opposed to that. But you do have some other folks who, you know, they represent states where the economy is still flagging pretty significantly. They do have constituents who are out of work, and this is pretty meaningful to them, especially folks who are up for re-election in the fall, who have you know a lot of constituents who are out of work and who are relying on this benefit right now. So there's a pretty stark political consequence possibly to like, you know, reducing people's income, you know, a few months away from the election. Andy, when you look at that cohort who doesn't want any unemployment payments, is that mostly ideological, kind of the Rand Paul side of the party, or is that really more based on employment conditions in those senators' states? Most of the most vocal opponents to the kind of unemployment scheme we have now have been people who are, you know, historically kind of ideologically committed to having a smaller government footprint and having a smaller government role generally. And that is something that the current benefit 
you know, is doing for a lot of people. There's a pretty large percentage of people who are making more money off this benefit than they could have or were at their jobs. Of course, at the same time, you also have a lot of people, maybe higher income people who have higher fixed expenses who are making less than they did before they got laid off. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has to, it depends on income level, but for a lot of low and middle income folks that this $600 a week on top of what states provide, and again, depends on it's a state by state basis for the exact amount, but it has amounted to more than they were making previously. And so that is something that Republicans uniformly oppose that phenomenon. And is there reason, and maybe this is just a federal law issue, but every state has different calculations for unemployment. What somebody gets in California is different than what they get in Virginia or what I would get in Massachusetts. Is there reason why this Federal CARES Act 2 bill is getting done on a flat basis as opposed to state by state based on cost of living in those states? So that is something that Congress has kind of wrestled with and is going to wrestle with again now. They looked at that in March when they passed the first stimulus bill. They wanted to do it so that it was based on a worker's previous income at the time. They wanted to set it so that it basically matched what people had been making previously so that people who lost their job because of these shutdowns could rely on that same level of income. But what they ran into is a lot of these state unemployment systems are very underfunded, they're pretty old, and they don't have the technological capacity to like easily make those calculations to scale it like that for people at a large scale very quickly. Did anybody think in the interim to say give states money that they could then update their systems? And that is something that Congress is looking at again now, because now what Republicans want to do or what they're proposing or will propose later today is they want to set it so that people will get the maximum that someone could get from the government is 70% of the money that they made previously. But that's still complicated because a lot of these state unemployment offices or these state labor officials say, we're still not in a position to immediately, you know, we can't just turn around and do that. That would take several weeks, if not months for us to be able to set up our systems to make that, to make the payments work like that. And so what Republicans are looking at doing or looking at proposing is having a flat rate until states can make the various improvements and do the various technological things they have to do to be able to set it as a ratio of people's previous incomes. And Lindsey Graham said on one of the Sunday shows yesterday that around half of the GOP Senate caucus is already against McConnell's plan, which means McConnell is going to need Democrats to sign on. Is $200 going to be enough to get Democrats to say yes? Democrats have already started to criticize what Republicans are suggesting as far too little as a significant cut to what people are receiving now. But at the same time, Speaker Pelosi and other top Democrats have said that $600 is not necessarily uh, is not a red line for them, that there is some flexibility in terms of the numbers. Is that palatable in the Senate for Republicans who are predisposed to vote for this and to Democrats? That's the big question. We'll see kind of exactly how that goes. I think for Republicans who are going to be willing to vote for a bill, they probably will kind of trust and accept what Senate Majority Leader McConnell and the White House ultimately agree to. And I think some of these questions will intersect too with what is in the rest of the bill. So the agreement on unemployment insurance, Democrats might have more flexibility. So there's going to be a kind of a various balancing acts that are going to take place here as they put together the total bill. Andy, two final questions for you, one from each side of the political aisle. For Republicans, how do they counter the argument that if people only get $200 or maybe even less, that they not only might not be able to pay their living expenses, they won't be putting more money into the real economy, buying things, which thus will lead us potentially to a double dip recession? Right now, they would say that the economy is reopening in a lot of places. You are seeing people are starting to go back to work in various parts of the country in various ways, and that they don't want to prevent that reopening from happening. Their big concern right now or their big talking point right now is that businesses are not able to rehire workers when they want to reopen. 
Okay, so they're focused on one half of the equation. So let me flip it around for Democrats. How do Democrats answer that half of the equation, this idea that there are a lot of people who there are available jobs for, but who aren't going to work because legitimately they can make more money by not taking those jobs so long as that $600 check is coming? Democrats would say that these are extraordinary times and that it's not necessarily safe for people to go back to work. And they would also contest the extent to which this is kind of a distorting influence on the labor market. There have been some various studies that say that this is not on a large scale really holding back the ability of places to reopen. I mean, you have seen kind of a a disconnect a little bit between some of these fears about jobs coming back and businesses being able to rehire places. And then kind of the also at the same time, you have, you know, people and Republicans who are cheering the, you know, what we're unexpectedly promising job numbers in June. So Democrats would say that this isn't, you know, if this was going to be holding back the ability to bring people back to work, how come we haven't really seen that in the labor market? You know, you have Republicans who are some of the most kind of prominent cheerleaders of the job numbers earlier this summer. They would say basically it doesn't seem to have actually really been. I mean, there are, you know, certainly there are individual cases and maybe many cases where this is happening, but on a kind of aggregate level, it's not holding things back. Andy Duran of the Wall Street Journal, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Major League Baseball, whose season is at risk after just four days of games. At issue is an outbreak of COVID-19 within the Miami Marlins clubhouse, involving at least 13 people. The Marlins have already postponed their home opener, scheduled for today, while a series between the Phillies and Yankees is also on ice because the Phillies just finished playing the Marlins. All of this was somewhat predictable and raises huge concerns about the long-term viability of baseball in 2020, particularly if members of the Phillies or of the umpiring crew test positive. Baseball had partially prepared for this by allowing teams to carry more players than usual, but that won't much matter if COVID cancellations become commonplace on the game calendar. Today, we're also watching Moderna the Massachusetts biotech that has become the first company to begin phase three trials for a coronavirus vaccine in the U.S. It's expected to enroll 30,000 people with a much broader demographic than the limited phase two trial whose positive results sent Moderna stock surging a couple weeks back. Finally, there's Google, which has decided to keep its 200,000 employees working from home through at least next July. Yeah, one year from now, so really a year and a half all in. Don't be surprised to see lots of other companies, particularly big tech companies, follow its lead. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven. Have a great national Scotch day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.